Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everybody? It's your boy B. Scott with the Philadelphia Eagles. I just want to thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave a five star rating. Fly, Eagles, fly. This is a Brawl Network production. You're listening to the Eagles Brawl Podcast. Here to take you on the road to victory. It's Connor Miles, Ed Cross, Johnny Page, and Tyler Steege. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Eagles Brawl of the Brawl Network. However, you're listening, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Radio.com. We greatly appreciate it. We are powered by DraftKings, Manscaped, and Fanatics. Co-host Connor Miles here with our Eagles Brawl insider, Ed Kras. Ed, I, I mean, it's only been a couple of days since we recorded, but uh, the Eagles kind of blew everything up. Yeah. Like, Forget that last episode on Friday. Everything is completely changed now because... Dougie P is no longer the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. They have fired him. And uh, I mean, crazy because I really just, I, if you were going to make this decision, it's crazy that I thought you do it this late in the process. And I know uh, they're getting killed for it rightfully so, but I mean, it's a tough decision to make. It wasn't like uh, the Falcons getting rid of Dan Quinn early in the season. It wasn't like, uh, the Jets firing Adam Gase. It, it, it wasn't like the Jags firing Doug Marone. It was somebody that you were you won a Super Bowl with. Like this is an emotional attachment. It was different from the rest of the firing. So I do think that this was a required thinking process where you have to sit back and I mean, like Lurie stated multiple times during the presser, you have to really um detach yourself emotionally to the situation. And I think it was the right move to make at the end of the day. Uh there's more that goes into that, and we'll discuss as we go in further into the episode. But uh, I just think they viewed the team. Here's my takeaway from the whole presser from Jeffrey Lurie, which, by the way, was an awful presser. That was the most awkward thing I've ever watched in my life. I thought that was just scratching your nails on the chalkboard. I, I, I couldn't believe like that. Jeffrey Lurie couldn't have been any more unprepared for that presser in his life. I, If you're going to do that series of a presser, please step back. And make sure you know what you're going to say. Because, I mean, um, when you move on from Chip Kelly, you seemed like you were more confident than you were when you moved on from Doug Peterson because you looked a little squirmish. You didn't really know what to say. Uh, it it was really tough to watch. And I cannot stress that enough how tough that press conference was to watch. And, I mean, you're you're there in the Zoom meeting. You're the one seeing it face-to-face before we all did. Like, uh, y- yeah, yikes. But, uh, Eddie, I mean, really – I've listened to what you said with John McMullen. I know uh, McMullen on Sports Illustrated, Eagle Sports Illustrated page, really uh, didn't agree with the move. Uh, He pretty much alluded to, hey, you know, Doug's not being the joystick anymore. He's not saying yes, man. He wanted things his way. And uh, Jeffrey Lurie and Harry Roseman potentially saw it in a different vision. So, uh, Ed, really, it looks like a divorce of just, you know, a relationship that didn't work out because two people saw the way things were going in a different vision. Yeah, it was a mutual parting, I think. You know, Doug was sticking to his guns that he wanted to have say with his coaching staff. He thought that he could run it back and find a way to fix it and win this 
uh, start winning again next year. And, and Jeffrey didn't see it that way. In fact, you know, Laurie actually admitted that, it, that he looks as this is a two, three, four year rebuild uh, to retool this roster. Um, that's his vision. Doug didn't see that vision. Doug wants to win immediately um, and he wants to do it with his staff. And, and there was kind of that philosophical, those two differences there were, were huge. Um, and I don't think when you talk about Lori and how that presser looked, um, I just don't think he was prepared because I'm not sure he was going into that meeting thinking he was going to fire Doug or that maybe Doug just said, you know what, I'm done. You know, you don't know what the language was inside that meeting. Doug might have said, look, I can't do this anymore um, because they really never used the word fired. Um, Doug really hasn't come out and said how it all went down. Um, but, you know, it could have been Peterson coming in and saying, I, I want my guys. I'm, I'm putting my foot down this time. I'm not going to say, yeah, uh, we're firing press. We're firing FIP. We're firing, you know, whoever else, uh, you know, on that offense. I mean, he wanted his coaches back. You know, and after last year, you can point to last year when he came out and said Mike Groh and Carson Walsh will be back. The next day, he had to retreat and say that, well, the evaluations weren't done because he was told that they weren't coming back. Um, and that made him look kind of stupid. And he, I think right then and there, Doug's like, I need to take more control of the situation that I'm in here. And uh, I don't think they really wanted to give him that control. And that's just based on the vision that Lurie has for this retooled roster that he talked about. I mean, everything's going to look different next year. Not only is there going to be a new head coach and a new offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator, but you're going to see a roster that isn't going to have a lot of guys left from that Super Bowl team. I mean, it's kind of a dwindling number, um, but, you know, you could see Brandon Graham uh, gone. You could see Fletcher Cox perhaps gone. Um, some big name guys, Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson, are they safe? Well, they tried to trade them. I mean, they know what they're up against with the salary cap here, and they know that this is going to be a two, three-year process. Uh, the salary cap's a lot worse than it was um, th than they expected because of the COVID. So now they have some really hard decisions to make. And Peterson wants to win. I don't know if he's going to go to the Jets and win right away. He might. Um, but I think his chances might be better there in the short term of a year or two than they are in Philadelphia of winning because this Eagles team is really going to go through a lot of change. Uh, and whoever the next coach is going to be is going to grow during that change um, and, and be with this roster from, you know, from the very early beginning to its maturation in a couple of years. Right. And I mean, I think with the situation with Jeffrey and Doug and Howie, I mean, the huge difference is it wasn't just one disagreement there. I think the long term vision, like you just said, I think Doug thinks, you know, we can run it back with this roster. We can run it back with this coaching staff. Like it was COVID. It was the injuries. Like this could work. We can make it work. And uh, the difference between, I think, his approach and per se, Howie Roseman's approach, who the fan base is just absolutely livid that he's not on his way out either. And I will attest, I think that is a legitimate reason. I mean, you're going to fire your Super Bowl winning head coach. Uh, your GM's going to pick the third head coach. I mean, that's unheard of. It's you you could have took your opportunity to get rid of Howie there, but um, it sounds like I mean, and with all likes and purposes, Howie when he messes up, he steps right. away somehow. Uh, he stepped away when Chip Kelly had the personnel say he he took his demotion with pride. Uh, he knew he needed help in the personnel say, so he brings in Joe Douglas, and now he knows that his process isn't going correct right now. So he has John Dorsey on as a consultant, and from all likes and purposes, right now he may be on the Eagles full time like this this might be a relationship in the making with John Dorsey because uh, you haven't really heard his name 
for any of the GM openings right now. So yeah. there, there might be a plan in place that jo- Jeffrey said, okay, let's see some change. And how he presented that change, whereas Doug has all this time to reflect and he knows Jim Schwartz isn't coming back because he's retiring and he wants to leave this mess right now. And uh, you have this window of saying, you know what, here's what happened this year. Here's what I can change next year. And Doug didn't really do that. I think that's what leads to this this coaching change. And I'll, I'll play a quick uh, clip from Jeffrey Lurie's presser that pretty much states that this is really what they were thinking. And I mean, that just screams to you right there that we saw the team in a different light. We saw you wanted to go ahead and try again with this staff. You wanted to go ahead and try again with this team, whereas we see it as we need to rebuild. And I mean, he even said it during his press conference and you and I talked about it off air. We were surprised. I mean, Jeffrey Lurie's not the type of owner. He's the type of owner like we can fix this. We can uh, we just need to step back, retool. But uh, like you said, and we believe it, you know, they knew what the cap situation was going to be before COVID happened. It wasn't looking pretty, but it was manageable. And how he's gotten out of situations like that numerous times. Uh, the most recent when the Chip Kelly era was fired and that debacle ended and how we got out of the bad contracts that Chip Kelly deployed the team with and the roster with. Uh, but now with COVID added into the mix of that contract, I mean, uh, that cap room mess, they didn't see it coming. So now they're deciding we need to step back, get mostly detached from this team realize we need to make changes all throughout the football team. Uh, And not only that, you and I said it on Friday, and I think it's a huge reason here now. Uh, The sequence of events is just too alarming. But if Jeffrey Lurie and Harry Roseman are all in on Carson Wentz and they do believe in Carson Wentz, you have to make this move. You have to do it. You have to – because Carson's not going to come back for the same stuff. They knew that. And uh, I think Doug, when he goes to – I mean, you guys stated it multiple times on the Eagle Mav and Sports Illustrated, you and John McMullen. I mean, you you go and you, you want to have Press Taylor as offensive coordinator. You want to have Matt Burke as defensive coordinator. Uh, that doesn't scream change, and that's what Carson Wentz really demanded. And if you're all in on the quarterback and you're all in on his uh, contract you gave him, you had to make this move. And, I mean, I know a lot of people hate the timing, but uh, I think it was the right move to make. And I do think, I mean, it's not like any team has hired a head coach yet. Uh, no head coaches right. decide. Uh, my question to you is, though, because there was a little uh, debate because of the cap situation, the quarterback room as is, and then uh, Howie Roseman being in charge. 
Do you think this is a desirable place for a head coach to come? Well, Lori was asked that, and um, you know, he gave a long list of reasons why it is the two quarterbacks among them, Wentz and Hertz. You know, he said you have a chance to uh, fix a you know an elite quarterback in Carson Wentz, and you have a great quarterback to develop in Jalen Hurts, and even if they move away from one of them, see, I don't, I'm still not convinced that even Lee, you know Doug leaving. Uh, will convince Carson to return. I mean, you can say that, and maybe it gives them a little bit more of a chance that he comes back. But also going in this purge, you have to assume, is Press Taylor, who's a very good friend of Carson's, and uh, he probably won't be back. In fact, I would say that he won't be back. And, you know, will Carson be upset with that? Listen, if you're making this move because of Carson Wentz, and that's the wrong reason. And Lurie said they weren't making it because of that. And, you know, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But you can't think that they were because that's the wrong reason. You you can't uh, have a quarterback win a power play over your Super Bowl winning head coach. Um, it's just not good for the organization. You know, there are players in that locker room who love Doug Peterson, who play hard for Doug Peterson. And if there was any whiff of that, then that would make Carson look bad that, you know, he was the one responsible for Doug being ousted. So I'm not sure he's coming back. Um you know, I, I, I'm still not convinced of that. Uh, I think the Eagles are going to go out and they're going to draft a quarterback um, and they're going to bring Hertz in. They may even bring Nick Foles in. I mean, we talked about that on Friday. How how crazy would that be? Like you said, the Twilight Zone, uh, you know, <laughs> to bring Foles in as a backup and and have Hertz as your starter. Um, you know, that would be that would be weird. But I don't know if I answered your question there because I think I kind of rambled on. What what? <laughs> No, I mean, no, you're right. I don't think – I think Car- – you can't deny Carson Wentz factored into this decision, though, no matter what. He was a factor into it, and he has to be a factor into it. He's, has to, he's your highest-paid player, uh, and he really is this – I mean, the fact that they even – you want to fix an elite quarterback, though? Come on. That sounds – that that sentence alone sounds silly. Uh, yeah. Carson Wentz should not be the decision-maker, but he should at least factor into the decision because – uh as you know, and as we all know, this offense has been bad. Like it's not even just, it's it, this isn't just a last year thing. This is going on for a while now. And I mean, in a pa- we cannot stress it. I cannot stress this enough. And I've we've said this multiple times on the show. This is a passing error yeah. of football, and these guys cannot get an a thousand yard receiver to save their life. And I think it's the scheme. I literally think it's the scheme. To, to I love Zach Ertz to death. Great tight end, Hall of Fame type talent. Uh, second all-time leading reception leaders in Philadelphia Eagles history, but for him to be your number one target all these years, I mean, you're, that means that's that's not good that you're putting him in an un- unfavorable position because he is your possession guy. Granted, but he's not your big playmaking threat that you need from the receiver right. position. So, I mean, I, I mean, even uh, the Chiefs with it, Travis Kelsey, the tight end, they have Tyree Kill as a receiver. They have they have so much space. He's in such a matchup driven in a, such a matchup driven league Travis Kelsey's thriving because of all the yeah. receivers they have yeah. all the space the speedsters all the uh, Watkins Hardman Hill like Robinson like they have it all there um and I don't it, I don't necessarily because look I know everybody wants to kill Jalen Rager for his rookie season but I think that's just foolish like I think it's the offense it literally is well, the when, system. when you I mean, see they couldn't figure out a way to acclimate Golden Tate into the offense and now you can't get Jalen Rager more involved in the offense. And, you know, yeah, Jalen has to, you know, learn some better work habits, you know, running routes, et cetera. 
Um, but, you know, he did miss some time this year. But still, even late in the season, after his injuries were, were behind him, they, they really didn't get him involved a whole lot. No, they didn't know how to use him. And that was the same with Golden Tate. So that was my point. You talked about the video John and I shot, John McMullen and I shot earlier. He, he made the point that, you know, this was a bad move. They should have brought Doug back. My counterpoint was this was the right move. And you and I have talked about this on numerous shows that they had to make a move from Doug. They needed a different voice. You know, they hung on to this Super Bowl roster for as long as they could. And now they're getting rid of the final piece, really, to that puzzle in the Super Bowl winning head coach. They needed a new voice. They needed a new direction. This was an offense in steady decline for the last uh, three years since they won that Super Bowl. And the common denominator is Doug. They brought in receivers. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, how, how do we know he's not, uh, you know, a better receiver than what we've seen? Be- because we really haven't seen a lot of development under Doug from the wide receivers. Um, so this was a move that absolutely had to be made. It's weird that it comes just three years after they won a Super Bowl. I mean, that, you know, but look, the, Doug will always have that on his resume. The Eagles gave the city uh, a wonderful parade, a great parade. They have a statue out front of Doug. Um, you know, maybe the end didn't go the way some had hoped, but, you know, that doesn't, you know, diminish anything that Peterson did. Uh, in his time in Philadelphia. He won more games than he lost. He took the team to the playoffs three straight years, won a couple division titles. I mean, he was a successful coach in Philadelphia, and we'll see if he can continue to do that with another organization. Lurie said that he might be – he wouldn't surprise him if, if Peterson was on another team by the end of the week. Um, that seems a little quick to me, but maybe. Maybe the Joe Douglas says, hey, Doug, love to have you. Come on board. Let's Let's go. We have Sam Darnold, and maybe we'll draft somebody, whatever you want to do. Your call. Right. He can be a successful coach, but the thing with the issue with Doug, and I mean, everybody's blowing that up, I think, because uh, everybody's so focused on Howie, like how he's a failure, how he's a failure, we got to get rid of him. But the thing with Doug is, uh, you know, back when he was successful in that Super Bowl season, he had a really strong staff in place. He hasn't been able to build up any coaches since. I don't really understand such the outrage that there is. Like, we didn't give Doug another chance. Doug didn't give himself another chance. They gave him multiple times. You can't sit here. I I, I don't understand. I don't understand why people think Doug Peterson deserves to be the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles if he's not willing to change or adapt. Because we were killing Chip Kelly for it. Had to get rid of Chip Kelly for it. Now, Doug Peterson is not Chip Kelly. Like you said, he's very successful. First team, first head coach in Philadelphia Eagles history to win a Super Bowl. But uh, when people are like, the timing, like uh, he, he just won the Super Bowl. Like you just said yourself, it was in rapid decline. And instead of really acknowledging that or trying to adapt or fix it, or I mean, I just go back to when they fired Chip Kelly. And the thing you always heard about the Eagles that season was it's so predictable. That offense is so predictable. Uh, and that killed everybody. That's what they wanted them fire, like get him out of there. That offense is gimmick. How many times have I have you heard that about Doug Peterson? I've heard that quite some time about Doug Peterson the last couple of years, that his offense is incredibly predictable. And then shout out to Will Parks, uh, who gets cut this year. His major tweet was, it's 2020, not 2017. Yeah. This issue is with the Eagles is they what Doug Peterson is, and I mean, a lot of people were like, get rid of the statue out in front of the, the lane. Get, take down all the fifty uh, Super Bowl 52 stuff. Doug is stuck in this mindset of, I'm a Super Bowl winning head coach. We just won the Super Bowl. 
Our team's not far off. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. And that's delusional. That's completely delusional. That's insanity. That's the definition of insanity to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, This offense isn't going to get better. You don't improve from 4-11-1 by bringing back a guy like Press Taylor who was in charge of the passing game. You don't get... You don't get to four eleven and one by bringing up a Jim Swartz disciple and to do the same exact yep. stuff that he was doing. You don't improve from that. You need to change. Doug Peterson refused to adapt. He deserved to be fired. Thank you so much, Doug. Thank you so much for the super first Super Bowl. You were a great head coach when you had everybody around you in a collective effort and you accepted that. Because when you first came in 2016, you looked like a deer out of headlights. You were the Eagles' third choice. Uh, you were behind Adam Gase. You were behind Ben McAdoo. You used that as fire. Used that as fuel. Uh, you listened to Frank. You had that guy you can lean on. You let Jim Schwartz do what he had to do, and you won a Super Bowl that way. What changed was you lost Frank. You lost John D. Filippo, who controlled the quarterback that I don't know if you really had the greatest relationship with. I can't wait to hear about this from years from now, about the relationship between Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz and how it fizzled out. Uh, but you had that quarterback coach and John D. Filippo who controlled that quarterback and brought the best out of him and helped him flourish in your offense. You had all those guys and then they trickled away and you weren't able to develop those guys around them. You weren't able. And maybe you thought you could, maybe you thought you could, and you weren't given the chance because like you said, he didn't want Mike Rowe to leave. That was the Eagles. That was Jeffrey Lurie's decision. That was how, I mean, really Jeffrey Lurie's decision. Uh, But now he wants to build up press Taylor and that's not the way the Eagles want to go. That's not where Jeffrey Lurie wants to go. So uh, this is a move you have to make if you're Jeffrey Lurie. And I'm glad that, I mean, us as fans, we never want to see the team, blow up you don't want to see these fan favorites go away but uh we need to take off those goggles real quick and realize they were a 4 11 and 1 team with the worst cat situation in the nfl that calls for a lot of change yeah, in my opinion there's going to be a lot of guys you know, you know they'll sign a couple guys in free agency but these are going to be low level under the radar guys some guys unless you're a real fan of the nfl you may not even have heard of and you're going to have to look up and see how you know, what kind of career they've had, but, you know, they're going to have to put, you know, 60 guys together on the roster uh, and there's going to be a lot of new faces, but you brought up that statue of him and Nick Foles out of side of Lincoln financial field. Do you think it stays there? Or do they move it next to the Rocky statue over there at the uh, art? You got to take it down. Both those guys aren't on the team anymore. You well, got to take it be down. Next year, it's over with. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah that is, I still can't get over that. I forgot that. Yeah, you even brought yeah. that up. Well, and I'm, I mean, like, oh, I don't want to see Nick back here anymore. Like, thanks for everything, but no, I don't want to do it again. To see Nick uh, Foles come back as the ultimate backup quarterback, because that's what he would be. You're all in on Jalen Hurts. I would take Nick Foles as my backup. I think like, that's you're right. He's a good. He's an ultimate backup quarterback. But it, I mean, again, this offense is going to be completely different. So Doug Peterson, Nick Foles made sense. I don't know now what it's going to be, but um, real quick, I want to run by you this coaching search now because now you have uh, from all likes and purposes right now. Again, we're recording. Uh, what is it, Monday evening. So right now, John Dorsey is a part of this equation of finding the next head coach. Um, but how he's a part of his third search, Jeffrey's a part of his, uh, I believe this is his what, fourth or fifth head coaching search. Uh, Lurie, so we brought in Rhodes, Reed, Kelly, Peterson. Yeah, brought- fifth. fifth. So I don't know if I trust this group to find the next head coach because – or the right head coach. And I know, um, I mean, they lucked into Doug Peterson. That was their third option, which, you know, third, nothing wrong with that. You know, third, it's just like dating. You know, you don't know if you, you like one person, but she wasn't right for you. So the next one is, or vice versa. 
But, I mean, they wanted Adam Gase. They wanted Ben McAdoo. They, they had to settle on Doug. Uh, Andy really pulled the tie, the 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 strings made that happen. Uh, the one thing I've heard about John Dorsey is that he really wanted to be paired with Eric Miami, the Kansas right. City's offensive coordinator this offseason. I heard multiple reports. Matt Lombardo came on the show and said it himself. Um, I wonder if they look in that direction, but my hope isn't that you would try to get away from that Andy shadow and Talking do something about the new. Kafka too. My- in fact, I saw odds today from Bet right. Online that have uh, both Kafka and Biennium at four to one odds. They're the favorite. Understand what the I mean, I guess that you want to get that's like I know people are like, well, the Eagles probably want to get the most ultimate right. yes man, and that's their goal. I don't know if that's their goal. I think if their goal is to be more creative offense and their head coach yeah. wouldn't allow it. Like he wouldn't want to change what he was doing. I think that's what the issue is. I don't think it was like they need the ultimate yes man. They needed that from Chip Kelly. They're in a different phase now. They're in a phase of, you know what? We need this team to be completely new and different, and it's going to have to be because of our situation that we're in. So let's get the let's get the new head coach to go in there and go different. And you did bring up a candidate in an article, and we will get into it in a second. But my thing is, John Dorsey can't pick. I don't think he can pick head coaches. Um, I, he Andy Reid and his relationship was the reason why he went to Kansas City. But I mean, he had a he had the prime opportunity to hire Kevin Stefanski, and he hired Freddie Kitchens instead, and that blew up in his face, and that really lost him his job in Cleveland. To be honest with you, um. Howie again is a part of the third search. Do we do we trust these guys? Um, you're gonna have to. Uh, you know, you know Lurie really. Lurie's the one that's going to conduct the search. But you know, he mentioned a slew of people that'll be in on the interview process: Howie and um, Dorsey, and you know, uh, Weidel, uh, a couple other names that he he threw out there too. Uh, Jeremiah Washburn, which was an interesting. You know, he believes that they have five GMs in that building. <laughs> But, uh, you know, you know, but listen, I mean, Andrew Burry became a J- GM off the Eagles the one year with the Eagles, with the Browns. They're now playing. In the- pretty good yeah, right he now, really yeah. rebuilt that offensive line. Uh, you mentioned Joe Douglas. You know, Douglas now is going to have his uh, first crack at hiring a head coach after Gase was let go. Um, so, you know, Lurie's right. They have kind of raided the Eagles for their G- some teams for their GMs. And, um, you know, maybe. Dorsey will be that next person that they come and get, but um, there's going to be a bunch of people in on this interview process. I'm not sure it's going to be Howie Roseman's decision. In fact, I know it's not. It's going to be, you know, you hate to use the cliched word, the collaboration, um, but this is going to be Lori's. He's the one that's going to have to kind of pull the trigger on this uh, with input from Howie, Washburn, um, Dorsey, uh, Andy Weidel, you know, a bunch of different people. Um, so you have to have the faith that they can get it right. I'm not sure you, that they will, um, but there are candidates out there, you know, uh, if, and their candidate is going to be one that fixes the offense, um, who they think can best fix this offense. And, you know, there's a couple guys out there that probably can do that, um, but they're going to have to develop the quarterback in order to get him to run that offense. And it looks like Hertz is probably going to be that quarterback, if I had to guess right now, because I don't think Carson Wentz is going to come back. So let's get into the candidates and we'll get more into that uh, to end the show. But let's get into the candidate that you're hearing and I'm hearing. Um, So I'm just going to go into it real quick uh, about the candidate that what what the player's father told me, because I said it on Twitter, but I'll, I'll get way more into detail now is that uh, he texted me, he goes, and this is tell you what, this is December 27th when he texted me. So this is actually almost. What two weeks? Like this has been going on for a while. I 
And this is what I think too. That uh, this is why I believe it even more now because the Eagles, Jeffrey Lurie does not make moves like this unless he knows who he wants as his next guy. Um, now, I'm not saying they always get the first option because nine times out of ten they don't. But uh, you don't make this move to fire Doug Peterson unless you know for a fact there's somebody out there that you want. So this is what this player's father texted me. He says, "I'm hearing between me and you, they're going to go after Lincoln Riley of Oklahoma very hard, very aggressively." Because I think he is a damn good coach and a teacher of the game. I'm praying hard that they get him to be the head coach of the Eagles. And that was an Eagles player's father that texted me all that. And you yourself reported it for Sports Illustrated. Yeah. So, and I mean, a couple other guys I saw, uh, Geoff Mosher went on Twitter and said the same thing. And then Tim McManus cited it as one of his options in ESPN articles. So now that Lincoln Riley rumors are swirling like crazy and uh, we can't forget he has very strong ties with Howie Roseman. It's not like because I know I saw some people on online say like, "Why would Lincoln want to come here? He he has a great program that's going to play national championships with Heisman winning quarterbacks. Uh, he gets paid a lot." I don't. I him and Howie Roseman are tight. Like I I would argue that this past draft, the first two picks were swayed by Lincoln Riley's yeah. decisions uh, for the Eagles to make with Howie and Jalen Rager and. Uh, Jalen Hurts, so uh, and six point five million per year is not hard to top. I think Jeffrey Lurie, if if, if if you really want Lincoln Riley to be the next Eagles head coach, you could top that that dollar amount. I think that's what it's going to come down to is dollar amount. And um, if Lincoln Riley really wants to make that right. jump, but, no uh, he's given no well, indication that he's willing to make that jump. It would be the very private person though. I don't think he would be able. I don't think that rumor will leak at all. Because, I mean, teams have gone after him before. Cowboys have done it. Like, It's not like it's he hasn't gotten the NFL interest. It's happened. You, just, you never hear a peep out right. of his camp. Yeah, you never do. Um, you know, when you wonder, is is he the right fit? I mean, I guess he could be. I don't know a whole lot about Lincoln Riley other than, you know, the, the good record in the four years, four Big 12 titles. But, you know, he's a he's a Southwest guy. You know, he, he grew up, I think, in Texas. He went to school in Texas. I mean, he knows nothing but the Southwest. He doesn't know what it's like to, you know, be in this high stress Philadelphia situation, this market in Philadelphia. But, you know, he's 37 years old. Um, if I'm him and you're ambitious, and I'm sure he is, you probably want to test yourself at the highest level of your profession. And there's no higher level than the NFL. Um, and then you have to look at your situation at Oklahoma. I mean, are you going to be able to compete with Dabu Sweeney and Clemson and Nick Saban, uh, yeah, Nick Saban over in Alabama? I mean, those are two big hurdles you have to get over to win a national championship. And, you know, maybe someday he will. But um, certainly he would be able to fix this Eagles offense, I would think. Uh, you know, he's – yeah, he produced Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. I mean, he's a quarterback guy. He's breading, he's breading NFL starting quarterbacks in college. And, and he's doing it in such a short period of time because that's what I want to point to is uh, everybody's like, you know, I mean – Chip Kelly happened and all. I don't want the college coach and all this stuff. But I mean, he's breading starting caliber NFL quarterbacks yep. in a year. He's working with them in a year and he's doing this. Um, in a league that's going more towards the college game of creativity and offense, in a league where you just see Cliff Kingsbury almost take the Arizona Cardinals to the playoffs where they're they're knocking mm-hmm. on the door. They're they're not far away. Uh you see all these college coaches that make this jump, and I don't think that. I don't think Chip Kelly's stigma should exist. I think that's what's going to be a huge thing going forward because uh, Lincoln Riley's the huge name, and now we're going to dive into this and analyze this to its most potential these next couple of weeks. But 
I would love that move. I would go all in on that move. I'm all in on Lincoln Riley. There's a lot of good candidates out there, and I'm actually I actually think it's a good time to jump in it. But I will say, do not listen to me for who I pick for head coach. I was in on Adam Gase. <laughs> I was in on uh, Ben McAdoo. Were you in on McAdoo? No, I wasn't on McAdoo. No, I I, I didn't. Tr- I mean, he did good things with Eli Manning, but I mean, uh, no, I wasn't. That whole entire Giants offense wasn't good enough for me to be like he should be the head coach. Um, I talked myself into Doug. I did talk myself into Doug pretty easily because I was okay with going back to the Andy Reid where they needed to at that time. It's different now. It's a whole different situation now. But I was in on Adam Gase. I was all in on Adam Gase. Uh, that's the guy I was completely wanting, so I will take my L with that one. But I do like Lincoln Riley. I yeah. really do. I think they would be. I think you could bring his offense to the NFL, and I think you should look no further. And I, I know everybody's like, Cliff Kingsbury hasn't done anything with Arizona yet. Give it time. That team completely changed themselves. I mean, that team went went from uh, Steve Wilkes and going off the Bruce Arians era with Josh Rosen at quarterback, and we're like, going to roll into that and they're like wait no they gave it a year and they're like both those guys aren't it let's completely revamp ourselves hire the exciting college young coach and get the kyler murray that just happened folks like that team is still building itself the eagles are in the same yeah. oh, i mean baker mayfield's got the browns in the second round of the playoffs and he right yeah you know there's good and i mean i like brian sable i mean what he's done uh you know up there in buffalo and you know Oh, yeah, Brian Dabble. Yeah, see, uh, I know you're talking about. Oh, I knew you were talking about Brian Dabble. Yeah, the Bills' offensive coordinator. I do like him, and he has ties to Jalen right. Hurts too. Down in Alabama in 2017, he was part of the staff that benched Hurts for Tua. Um, so right. he, he's Ken Dorsey, the quarterbacks coach. I mean, we saw Andy Reid hire a quarterbacks coach in Green Bay. Uh, and Andy Reid, I mean, Ken Dorsey sitting there as a quarterback coach who's done wonders for Josh Allen. Um, you know, and that's why Mike Kafka makes sense, quarterback coach for Pat Mahomes in the Andy Reid offense, which really has shown a lot of creativity, more so than when Andy left here. I mean, this Chiefs offense is very creative. So, I mean, that's why Kafka's mentioned. That's why maybe Dorsey gets a shot at, at an interview, perhaps. Excuse me. Um, you know, and Dable, I like him. It may be Arthur Smith um, in Tennessee, who has really done a good job with uh, Ryan Tannehill. Um you got uh, Greg Roman in Baltimore, another offensive coordinator who's had Oh, no, Ed. No, we're not no, going to do that one. Roman. Well, yeah, no, we'll leave Greg Roman that, off the list. There, I mean, he, Jalen Hurts, yes, that would be a little – I mean, his offense with Jalen Hurts, but I, I mean, uh, they, don't, they don't do good with the wide receiver position either. I want to see somebody that can do good with the wide receiver position. Arthur, Here's my list. Number one, Lincoln Riley. Number two, Joe Brady. Number three, Brian Dabble. Number four, Arthur Smith. And that's my short mm-hmm. list right okay. there. Okay, I like that list. Not defensive because it's Jeffrey Lurie. They're not going to fire. They're not going to hire a defensive guy. And then for everybody's going to be like, we'll change the philosophy then. It's not working. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Just stop. They're not going to hire a defensive guy. That's a waste right. of time to even talk about that. But I'm all in on Lincoln Riley, man. You got me hype. Well, you know, hype. You know the, um, <laughs> those odds I talked about, they have Rex Ryan listed as 33 to 1. <laughs> And they got some crazy names on there. Jason Garrett's on that list. They put Rex Ryan on there as a as a token yeah, to Buddy yeah. Ryan. Uh, yeah, probably so. And and then you know like Robert Saleh, the uh, defensive coordinator for the Fort Niners. Right, they're they're not getting a defensive coach to fix the offense. Um, but you know, Greg Roman was listed as an eight to one choice behind Deuce Staley. I mean, Deuce Staley could uh, get a look. Lurie mentioned that. 
Oh, I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna ask you that one next. But no, I mean Greg Roman's a good plug because I feel like if the Eagles are gonna value anybody's opinion, they're gonna value John Harbaugh's opinion because of his ties with the Eagles organization. So, uh, if John Harbaugh goes to the back for him. That's a good. It's a good bet. I I I, I wouldn't even be surprised they interview mm-hmm. him to be honest with you. But especially if you I mean, why it's gonna be so interesting to see what. I mean, if you go on these head coaching interviews, you're probably saying, tell us what you think about the quarterback position instead of saying, like, this is what we're thinking with this quarterback and this quarterback. Uh, but it would be so – I would be interested to hear that, Greg, if they do interview Greg Roman. And, and if they do, I think that's an indication towards Jalen, if anything. That's why I'm gonna, we're going to analyze this yeah. so much of, like, what head coaches are interviewing and who he benefits as the quarterback. But uh, I let the new head coach decide no matter what. But the most underwhelming thing the Eagles can do is give Drew Staley the head coaching job. Well, I would probably agree. I mean, he's been passed over twice as the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, I, I you see that Malcolm Jenkins really went on Twitter and like went to bat for him like yeah. crazy. And I think the leader of men, I think Deuce Staley might have head coaching potential, but I mean, given the current evil circumstances, I don't think this is the good situation for him. Yeah. To be a head well, coach. and again, who would his offensive coordinator be? I mean, his staff, it's like we said with Doug, it's, it's all about who you surround yourself with. So yeah, Deuce is a good leader of men. Very highly respected by, you know, Malcolm, obviously, and everybody in that running back room and in that Eagles locker room all speak highly of Deuce Daly. So it would really be dependent uh, if he's the choice is who is he going to bring in to be his OC uh, and, and the DC? You know, would it be Kafka as your offensive coordinator? Uh, would it be Ken Dorsey as your offensive coordinator? I would think that if Dayball leaves Buffalo, they'll probably elevate Dorsey to the offensive coordinator's job. But, um, you know, you'd have to start looking at who he's going to bring in both on offense and defense. And would he have a say in who he brings in? Or would that be, again, Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman kind of pulling the strings uh, for his coaching staff? Who's your early favorite to be the Eagles head coach? Who do you think, like, because, I mean, you have to have an opinion who you think. Yeah, I mean, I know they got a late start, but I, I really think Eric Bieniemy could be that that guy. And he, and even Jeffrey Lurie said, if we have to wait till February to hire a guy, then that's what we'll do. Um, which to me kind of indicated that the Chiefs could have a candidate in the mix here. And to me, I think it would be uh, Eric Bieniemy. To be honest, I, I think he. We mentioned John Dorsey. It was almost kind of like a package deal. I heard those same whispers that uh, Dorsey would like Bieniemy to come in and be the head coach. Um, so I think right now I would probably have to say be enemy because I'm not sure that they can get Lincoln Riley, uh, to leave college, to come into this situation where he knows it's going to be a rebuild and it's going to be tough, uh, in a media market that is like no other. It's not Oklahoma. It's not Norman, Oklahoma. You know, it's not Southern Texas somewhere. I mean, this is a really rabid fan base with a, with a, uh, harsh media. So, uh, I, I don't know. I, I would go with a, a guy that's been in the NFL. I'd probably say Garrick Bieniemy at this point. Do you think it's going to be a tough sell for the Eagles to sell the organization how it is right now to the head coaching candidates? Because I mean, uh, a lot of people are alluding to like, you know, Doug Peterson won a head uh, Super Bowl here and uh, the ultimate goal you can possibly do, and it wasn't enough for him to keep his job past a couple of years. I think there's a a worry about that, but uh, I mean. I'm looking at the openings and the Jets, the Jags. I know the Jags are the first pick in uh, Atlanta. Like, I look, There's nothing like Philadelphia. There's nothing like the Philadelphia market. It's a huge sports market. I feel like there's got to be an alert to this team still no matter what. Like, There's still got to be like, well, you know, you, I, 
I mean, maybe I'm just looking at it from a fan point of view, but I still feel like this is a market you want yeah, to coach. And, you know, it's good facilities. You know, they have a good, uh, you know, great weight room. The, the stadium's terrific. They have an owner that does put resources into the team and into the players. Um, you know, he values players of integrity and likes them to do good work in the community. Um, so, I mean, there are a lot of pluses uh, to coaching in Philadelphia. It's, a, it's a, an organization that has had a very good winning tradition uh, really ever since Lurie took over, you know, they've been to several NFC, uh, NFC championship games. Um, it's not like a Jaguars program where you have the owner who wants to have the say in the personnel decisions, a franchise that's never won before. I mean, I guess there's an allure there to say, Hey, I can be the first one to do that. Um, but you want to look at the entire body of work. And I think Philadelphia has a lot to offer, you know, uh, from the owner to the facilities, to the commitment to that they want to win. Um, there's no question Lurie wants to win and he'll do what it takes to, to, you know, bring another Super Bowl to this town, I believe. Um, are there mistakes that are made? Yeah, there are. But, you know, I don't question his want and his desire to want to win a championship. And if you're a coach, you, you know, that that should come off as as being, you know, a real plus um, as opposed to these franchises like the Jets and the Jags. And, <clears throat> you know, I know the Bears had some success, but they're not looking for a coach. Um, but. The Chargers, I mean, they've, you know, they haven't had a lot of success. But, you know, I think the Eagles organizationally are probably above any of the others that have head coaching openings at this point. I agree, but, I mean, a lot of people disagree with us, though. I th- I just think it's the market. I mean, think it ma- I mean, look, when they were in the position they were, they were moving on from Andy Reid. They convinced Chip Kelly at the time to come out of college and coach him, and at the time it was a shock. Like we didn't think Chip Kelly was going to leave college. He even said it himself; he wasn't going to leave Oregon. Next thing you know, he's on the first plane to Philly to be the head coach. I think that matters to that. I, I really don't think you can discount what this market can do uh, to convince somebody to come join you. And I think, I mean, again, I don't think it's a, a, a long process to fix the football team. I don't think it's a long process to fix this football team because. Uh, if you look past this year's cap situation, it gets the, the light is at the end of the tunnel for it, mm-hmm. for sure. And uh, I mean, they have a young nucleus to build around. Either you go with Carson Wentz or you go with Jalen Hurts. You have a young, talented quarterback, no mm-hmm. matter what. You have Miles Sanders, who has superstar potential. You have Jalen Rager, who I, I mean, people are going to be like, Connor, come on, man. You, you defend the guy for like your life, but. I do think there's talent there. Do you can't discredit that? And if you do, uh, I would laugh at you for giving up on Devontae Adams after his rookie year, then, and so on and so forth. Reggie Wayne and uh, tons of others after a struggling rookie year as a wide receiver. And then I would also advise you to point out to me the first wide receiver that had success other than Alshon Jeffrey, really, in Doug Peterson's offense. Because I think what Alshon was the leading all-time uh, receiving yards in the season under Doug Peterson with like eight hundred and thirty uh, something. Yeah, I'd have to check that. Um... Yeah, it's it's got to be something like that. So, uh, I mean, they have guys in play. Dallas Goddard, uh, the the offensive line still has some guys, even though you talked about releasing Brandon Brooks and uh, some others. But I mean, they still have some talent on that unit. Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett are young. Javon Hargrave's young. They got some guys. Ed, like they can they can definitely right the ship. They just have to. The one thing that they haven't been able to do consistently. And I think coaching does have a play into it. We have to, like we said in this episode, we have to take two sides of it. I think they had, if they just bring the right guys in here that fit the head coach that they hire, 
you know, you can write the ship, especially with a six overall pick. You can get a, a superstar caliber player there that can really change yeah, your franchise. I, I agree. I mean, but they're going to, the first order of business is to hire the coach and then start looking at the personnel and then making some decisions there. The new league year starts on March 17th. So they have time obviously to, to figure this whole thing out. Um, and then they have to put a staff together. So, but it all starts with the head coach and we'll see how quickly that happens. I think if it's the enemy, it's not going to be known until February. Um, and fans will be anxious. You know, they want to see who it's going to be. So real quick, how surprised were you that they fired Doug? Uh, well, I mean, Friday, I didn't think it was like, happening. I, Once the news broke. Right. You and I talked about it. Let's actually can, we'll scratch that. New question. When they surprisingly announced they fired Chip Kelly to when they surprisingly announced that they fired Doug Peterson, what shocked Kelly, you more? For sure. That's it. Yeah. I thought that I thought that was still a more shot. I mean, that's crazy to say that. Like, hey, you know, firing the coach who like destroyed the. I mean, team. I went to bed last night after uh, knowing about this meeting today that Chip or uh, Doug was out the door. Really? Oh yeah, this meeting. Nothing yeah, sounded good about this meeting. Second meeting, no, that's not no. good. So, so I was, you know, the surprise was taken hey, away. That's like a kiss of death. Hey man, let's come down to Florida for one last yeah, vacation right, with me. Right. Like that meeting in Florida, that just scared me right away. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, with, with Chip, it was just like, you know, you're sitting there after covering a practice that day, and you're back writing your story, and all of a sudden you get the email that he's been relieved of his duties, and I had to look at it twice. I thought somebody was pranking me um, because I didn't see – I mean, I knew, you know, it wasn't a good year for him, and, you know, there was whispers, but I had never expected Jeffrey Lurie to fire a coach with one week left in the season. Um, that suddenly I thought he'd wait until after the last game. Um, but he didn't. And that, that really surprised me. And I, I think if you asked any of the people on the beat that question, I think Chip Kelly would be the, the, you know, the unanimous answer that that was the bigger surprise than Doug. All right. So what is your favorite Doug Peterson story from covering him? Like what was your what was the one time that stood out to you that said you know that was my favorite time either engaging with Doug or talking with Doug or like watching Doug speak? Well, um, it, it's kind of deep, really. Um, I you know my father passed away in 2015, and Doug's father passed away I think in 2016, right after he got the job, and. Right. Uh, you know, you could see Doug was pretty beat up about it. So after, you know, his time at the podium uh, at the Novacare complex in the auditorium there, I went into the lobby and, uh, you know, called out to Doug, hey, can I talk to you for a second? He was very gracious. And, um, you know, I just wanted to pass along my sympathies and condolences and you knowing what I went through when I lost my father and you, you the same way, Connor. Um you know, so that was some kind of common ground that we had. And um, we just started talking about our fathers. You know, he would take us say something. I would say something. We kind of went back and forth, um, which was, you know, a pretty powerful moment for both of us. And, and it was probably maybe I'm not even sure how long the conversation lasted. It might have been 10 minutes um, of just him and I and others kind of just waiting in the, you know, on the periphery. Uh, and Doug and I were really kind of locked in uh, talking about our fathers. And I thought it was a pretty cool moment. Um, you know, what they meant to us. And, you know, that was a, that was a, a kind of a cool moment that really had nothing at all to do with football. That is the best answer I could have asked for. That was great podcast material. Like I did not expect it to be that good of an answer. I thought I was gonna be like, I'm silly. He said during press conference. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Like that's the one thing that I can't take away from Doug Peterson and the great man that he is. He has such, I mean, 
he was what the Eagles wanted after they fired Chip Kelly. He had everything that they needed in emotional yeah. intelligence. Yeah. He gets it. Like he is a really strong willed person. And I do admire him and his character and I will miss it here in Philadelphia. That's for sure. But I mean, to hear that, like, I mean, he did treat the media. Well, he, you have to admit he did treat the media well for, especially for guys that would get on his back uh, when the team yeah. wasn't doing I, well. I mean, and, and you know, early on he was very, he tried to be as honest as he could be, but it's a profession where, Honesty isn't always the best policy, unfortunately. Oh, really um, yeah, it wears on you. So, you know, that you can see the kind of a change there. Um, but, you know, another story with Doug is I, I was taking pictures. I sit in the first in the second row of the auditorium during his press conferences when we, you know, before COVID. And uh, I was taking a picture of him and Howie and he was off to the side and he's looking around and he saw me with my camera pointed at him. And he just looked right at me and gave me this huge smile. And I snapped it and I got this great picture somewhere of Doug looking right at my camera with this big smile on his face, like just kind of like a goofball type of thing, you know. And that's that's just the kind of guy he was, you know, he's just he, he, to me, you know, and uh, he's kind of a fun, you know, he enjoyed his job and still does. And it just wears on you. Like you said, man, it, it's a it's a it's a long wear and tear for five years to, to be a head coach. And, and I mean. I don't think him and Howie got along. And it's crazy because now that's the second head coach in a row that doesn't get along with the right. personnel guy. Yeah. So well, I mean, they tried to go chip. Uh, they tried to I, give chip the power and then chip fumbled it away. And then they brought Howie back. And you definitely don't give Doug. Peterson no. the power. And Doug, does, Doug, to be honest, yeah. didn't want the power. Yeah, he, he wants the coach. Good. He wants the coach. Right. I don't want him. And I don't want him. But I will say like, I mean, I wish success to the guy. I do. I mean, he first Lombardi did. Bring the first from Dolari to Philadelphia. I hope he does go off. If it is with the Jets or it is with the Jaguars or wherever he goes, I hope he does well. Honestly, I really do. I have no harsh feelings, but um, I, and I've said it multiple times on this show with you, I felt this was a funeral season. I thought this was exactly how I felt in 2012 is how I felt with this season. It's just, it's a shame because Andy Reid had so much more longevity and so much more success, whereas Doug wasn't given the same amount of time, but I mean, when you know something is dead you and you, you keep trying to revive it, revive it, revive it, and it's just not waking up, you let it die. And that's what happened with Doug Peterson's offense with the Philadelphia Eagles. That system is dead. They tried to revive it. Doug didn't want it to be revived. They have to move on. His offense may work somewhere else, but I do think if uh, if it is with the Jets, I think he might get a brutally honest conversation with Joe Douglas and says, hey, Yan, you know, you're a great leader of men, but you're not the best play caller. We need to bring in an offense corner like we did when uh, you were first brought into Philadelphia with Frank Reich. We need to get you that guy again because that's what all the fans ask for, anyways. So that's what he's. It's not. It's they asked for that for a reason. He's going to need that in the next destination. But I do wish him the best. But it was his Andy's time was longer, but it was the same thing with Doug. Uh, they both had to go, and it was time to go. To see, not too many coaches. In fact, I'm trying to think of. The coach in my mind right now is who won a, a Super Bowl with two different uh, franchises. Nobody, nobody has. Nobody has. Yeah, I mean, uh, so never that's gonna you know it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough for Doug to win another Super Bowl with him. Oh, he. Um, I mean, I mean, would it be it would be hilarious. I mean, it would be really bad for the Eagles, but it would be hilarious if Doug Peterson of all coaches, because he was the most unlikely head coach to win Super Bowl, anyways, becomes the first head coach in NFL history to win two head Super Bowls in yeah. two different spots. Well, might happen. You never know. I mean, he is, he, you know, I mean, we'll look, but you say what you want about faith and stuff, but he is pretty, he's a pretty faithful guy, pretty spiritual guy. So who, who knows? It's going to be a 
fun time covering the Eagles now. They made this podcast so yeah. much more interesting. I more than I even thought it was going to be this offseason is going to be absolutely insane, yeah. Ed. Uh, you can check out the Eagles map on sportsillustrated.com slash NFL slash Eagles for all John McMullen and Ed Krause's articles. Great analysts, great stuff. The inside sources that you've been getting and Ed and John has been getting have been uh, top notch. The reports have been great. Uh, continue doing yeah. good work, guys. We, yeah, well, we we'll, we'll talk again soon, I'm sure, because something will happen again before we know. You know, I like to give us some, especially during the off season. I'm like, you know, I don't want to like, I know, Ed, you do everything with Sports Illustrated and you go on anybody's show who asks you to go on. Uh, so I, I don't like to always take up your time and uh, have you on the show. I mean, you are part of Eagles Brawl. You are Eagles Brawl now. But, you know, I don't want to like, keep doing these every other day recordings but i mean when stuff like this yeah. happens we have to hop back on the mic because our friday episode kind of goes yep. out the window now a little stale now no doubt and in yep. two days it's making riley stale. says so, yeah i'm coming then you know i might see you wednesday <laughs> and that's not does, gonna happen i i mean i don't i never say I, never ed i will say money talks and it i i i I, I said the same thing about Chip Kelly when I thought I was like, no, 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 he's just not happening. It's not going to happen. And it happened. I mean, uh, Jeff Lurie can convince people. He can convince yeah. people. Can't convince them to change his offense, but yeah, he can hey, convince money people. talks too. Throw, throw enough money at, at something and someone's going to say, yeah, no doubt. And there's only 32 NFL head coaching jobs. If you're, you know, part of the so-called JV in the college <laughs> ranks, and I say that jokingly. But if you want to test your, your, you know, your, uh, you know, what you know and what you can do at the highest level, this is it. Nick Saban tried it, didn't work out. Chip Kelly tried it, didn't work out. Maybe Urban Meyer will try it. Uh, you know, he's kind of listed. He's reportedly putting a staff together. the Nick Jaguars head coach. Yeah. So I mean, you know, college guys do get a little itchy to see. You know, their egos are are large enough to say, "Let me see what I can do with the pros." I know I can succeed at the pros. So you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean. Uh, Plus, it's not it's not every day where a new head coach or like a, a coach making that jump has that strong of a relationship with a personnel man like uh, Lincoln Raleigh does with Harry Roseman. They're yeah. very close. Howie will listen to him. Howie won't listen to Doug, but he will listen to Lincoln. So that might matter. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's exciting. It's exciting to think about. It's exciting to talk about. I mean, you know, of course we'll talk about it, and then they'll hire like Joe Schmo from the Packers. So. Nathaniel uh, Hawthorne, we'll is that his name? Nathaniel Hawthorne. Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, I wouldn't mind that though. I didn't. I wouldn't mind that though. I that actually was going to be on. He's actually a candidate on my other list, but that's that's a tier two. Okay. I want the tier that's one. Secret, need a tier uh, one. Top secret list that. Only- no, I mean, like, I mean, like Ken Dorsey. I thought when you brought him up, he was probably a guy I would talk about for the tier two. But I just think, uh, I mean, I don't know with this team the way that they're shaped right now when it has to be a rebuild you might want to get that young coach that has to be grow with this new growing that's what team. They're, that i think is exactly what they're looking for is a young coach that can grow with this team and maybe it's a ken dorsey or mike kafka type um who can i just think that would be awesome <laughs> you know, ken dorsey i wouldn't be that opposed on he's been on our other staff i just think get away from the andy reed shadow mike kafka i don't i, I don't know if i want to bet on him outside that organization yeah. right now and i don't I would go Eric Bieniemy. I I would take the guy that I know he's part of the Andy Reid tree, but I would take the guy that everybody seems very fond of. He's viewed very differently than the, from the Andy Reid people's before. I mean, Matt Nagy and Doug did not get the coverage that Eric yeah. Bieniemy gets. Right. So, 
I would, I would, I would take a really long, hard look. And I don't know how old he is. I don't think he's that old. Maybe he's forty-ish. Maybe I don't. I'm not even sure. I don't think he's that old. I just remember. Uh, I, can... I remember last year when I was like, "Why did this guy not get a head coaching job? Like he should have got a head coaching job." And uh, I remember Ben Albright uh, put out a report that at Colorado State when he was coaching there uh, or a player there, he was investigated for. Uh, I think it was assault. I believe I, something. I don't want to yeah. like put a wrong out there about this man, but he was get, he was being investigated for something, and Ben put that out there as maybe a why teams are staying away from him, shying away from him. But uh, no matter what, he's getting a head coaching job this offseason now. Now is his time. Yeah, I don't know anything about what you're speaking of, but you know how old he is. Fifty one. Old. Fifty one. That might it matter. Might. It might. I don't know if it mattered to the Eagles per se, but that might matter. Uh, I didn't know he was that old. I mean, he was drafted uh, in the second round back in 1991 by the Chargers. So that's going back a ways. Um, He's going to get a head coaching job this offseason no matter what, though. I mean, it looks like Deshaun Watson's starting to get some pull for him over there in Houston. When you think about the enemy, too, though, you have to think about Deuce Staley. I mean, would you pick – He's, you know, Staley was a running back. Bienemy was a running back. Staley's been with the organization. Bienemy hasn't. What would he have that Deuce Staley doesn't have? Right, because they both right, coach. They're, the and they're both running. They used to have coach running backs, and they've kind of climbed up a little bit since then. Um, hey, you're 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 debating yourself, my friend. I'm still kind of batting it around in my own head here, you know. If you're going to rebuild and you're going to change the team into a whole completely different image, why would you go back to the same thing that you're trying to get away from now? Because that's what you're doing. You're, 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 Doug, no matter what you thought of Doug, was still the, the shadow of Andy Reid. He was still bringing elements of what Andy Reid taught him to the Philadelphia Eagles. If you want to get away from that, I don't, I, I don't see why you would. I mean, it would just be a difference of opinions then, I guess. You would just hire Eric and he would have a different view than Doug did. And that's what matters to Jeffrey uh, yeah, right he now. Took but, me out of it. He's not my uh, favorite anymore. I would go with. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, Joe Brady. I I think Joe Brady is exciting. I don't know if he would take the Eagles job per se because he's very highly coveted right now, and uh, he's going. Well, if you I mean, tell him, look, you can take Jamar Chase with the sixth pick. Never. You can bring your former wide receiver in here. Come on, come on board, man. Oh. We'll get you Jamar Chase. We can start crafting up plays with him and Hurts and Rager. Then with Sean Payton, you saw what Sean Payton has to do with different types of quarterbacks, like a Taysom Hill and a Drew yeah. Brees. Like uh, you can do that here with Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts. I mean. Uh, and the huge thing that I think goes into this whole entire coaching change, I know we're just rambling on now to end the episode, but the huge thing I think that needs to go into this coaching change is they want a better passing game. Like you said, you said this the first time I ever had you on the show is that the Eagles want to go more 11 personnel. They want to feature three wide receivers and then have Dallas Goddard's deep threat ability showcased in that. Uh, Doug couldn't get it done. I think they want a coach that can get it done. I think they want to view that. And Joe Brady, Arthur Smith, <laughs> Uh, you look at their offenses. Uh, you saw it. I mean, Joe Brady uh, with Teddy Bridgewater's quarterback had Robbie Anderson going off. Had DJ Moore looking great. Uh, even Curtis Samuel was deployed yeah. in multiple ways right. that were exciting, right. creative. Uh, then you see Arthur Smith with what he's doing with AJ Brown and Ryan Brown, Tannehill yeah. in that Derrick Henry run game and Corey Davis's uh, rebound year and John o. Smith the tight end. That's something exciting that you would want to that you can see that in your offense now with Travis Fogum, Jalen Rager, and Dallas Goddard, and then you have the sixth pick. You can have your pick of Devontae Smith or Jamar right. Chase. Damn. Yeah. Like 
that's why you have to go after these offensive creative guys. And if if the name that they hire isn't one of those guys that we're naming, and it's something like Deuce or uh, I, I, don't, know, I don't think I it's going to be Deuce. I really don't. It's not going to be Deuce. It's not going to be. And the shame thing is, and what the fan base is going to kill, they're going to be like, "You're keeping Howie over Deuce because this is going to be it for Deuce." They pass over him one more time, and he's, he's not going to make it to his third I, coaching staff. I think staff. he's probably gone. Um, I just hope Jeff Statlin stays on, but I don't know, man. It's going to be tough. Third, this isn't this isn't from Chip to Doug. I mean, this is a whole new staff now. This is a yeah, new. He coach. survived the Chip purge. I hope he survives this one too because he needs to. I mean, they need him, but it's going to be interesting to see. Yes, it will. All right, all right, Ed. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for all for tuning in. We're going to be covering this new Eagles regime with the new head coach and talk about this so on and so forth because I foresee this lasting for weeks now. Uh, I think they don't hire a coach for another week and a half. I think it'll be like at least 11 to 12 days before the Eagles announce their next head coach because I don't think it's going to be before the – I think they'll pick one before the Super Bowl. Okay. They, yeah, they might. Uh, they, they hired Peterson on January 18th of twenty. 20- Right, the Chiefs lost. The Chiefs lost right. to the Patriots, so they, they were able to hire him immediately. Yeah, uh, but he wasn't their immediate choice, though. They were they were talking to McAdoo, they were talking to Coughlin, they were talking to Adam Gates. They hired Chip Kelly on January sixteenth. So the last two coaches mid January were today is January the eleventh. Uh, if Lincoln Riley says, "Hey, if, jump," Jeffrey Murray and Howie Roseman are going to say how high, and then five yeah. days the, he's going to be the coach. <laughs> if form holds, we'll be you know they'll have a coach next week sometime, right? Yeah. If if Lincoln Riley is in, I mean, I I just want to reiterate, and I know you're saying Eric Bami, and I'm talking Lincoln Riley. They don't make this decision until they know that they're going to go after their top guy and get some sort of maybe not a commitment from him, but right. interest right. from him. Uh, so. Whether it's it's gonna it's either Lincoln Riley or it's Eric Bami in my opinion. That's the two guys. I, that are the I would agree. I think it's gonna be one of those two guys. So I would prefer Eric Bami, but I do think he's at the top because I cannot ignore. I mean, I've had three people that I trust, and now yeah. even you say that John Dorsey really wanted Eric Bami as his head coach candidate. And if they're gonna give John Dorsey more say, uh, we might need to start waking up to the possibility of Eric Bami yeah. being the next. But again, they're a little bit behind now, right? I mean, Bianami's had a couple interviews at this point, I believe. Uh, right. I mean, that doesn't worry me as much because uh, now you're just giving the candidates right. more leverage. Uh, he could say, "Wait, I can wait. I could take this interview. I could see if you're going to yeah. offer me more money." Like, I don't, I don't think they're they're late, but I don't think they're too late. I agree. All right, thanks for all for tuning in. Thanks. We'll be back soon. What's going on, everybody? Co-host Connor Miles here, and support for the Eagles Brawl podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Big news. Manscaped just released their new cologne scent to help you feel good and smell good all over and at all times. Who knew smelling this good can feel this good, too? Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Again, that's B-R-A-W-L, Brawl, for 20% off on Manscaped.com, plus free shipping. Don't be like Doug Peterson, don't be like Jeffrey Lurie, and definitely don't be like Howie Roseman. Find your balls today by going to Manscaped.com, use promo code BRAWL, and get 20% off your order, plus free shipping 
and support the Eagles Brawl Podcast. You work hard for your money. Are you sure it's working hard for you? You could be sure with Merowest Credit Union. As a credit union, Merowest is all about people, you and me. So they do the right thing by offering us better rates, greater choices, and better service. Merowest Smart Rewards Checking is a perfect example. It's a checking account that pays you with rates up to 18 times the national average. Really, check it out at merowest.com. And service? Merowest takes pride in what they do. Experience it. Your dreams and Merowest's values just go together. Consider Merowest today. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.